This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India show. Being a queer person and being a, you know Kashmiri and being uh, a Muslim who is living in the most militarized you know uh, area is it is it is it is it's very challenging and uh, you know uh, my life is actually very difficult it's not easy this is dr ejaz in 2017 he set up the sonzal welfare trust to advocate for lgbtqia rights in kashmir sonzal offers a range of services to the queer community including legal support mental health programs crisis intervention and vocational training dr ejaz is known as the most visible queer person in kashmir he has spoken to news platforms in india and abroad about the state of kashmiri queers i asked him what impact does this have on him on his well-being to be a public voice for lgbtqia rights many actually me is bare mein kabhi socha bhi nahi hai because i'm so much into my work but it is really affecting me it's taking a toll on my mental health because the the, the kind of environment that i'm seeing around uh, there's a lot of like uh, you know this organized hate which is thrown towards my community that is taking my mental peace away and sometimes i feel like why am i doing this it's very difficult hi i am surya tapamukherji your host on this episode of the suno india show welcome to the second episode of our lgbtqia mini series pride and prejudice lgbtqia stands for lesbian gay bisexual transgender queer intersex and asexual we will be using queer as an umbrella term for all these identities it has been 2 years since the abrogation of article 370 which revoked the special status of jammu and kashmir and divided the state into two union territories namely jammu and kashmir in the west and ladakh in the east Recently Prime Minister Narendra Modi met with political leaders of the region to discuss delimitation a process of deciding the geographical limits of constituencies in order to hold elections Kashmir is a contentious subject that often makes headlines but what does it mean to be queer in a region known for conflict Not only do you have to navigate systemic discrimination because of being queer, you have to do it while dealing with curfews, internet blackouts, militarization and terrorism. Dr. Ajaz describes the anxiety of living at the intersections of these different kinds of dangers. My fear is not only psychological, it has a material base as well. And uh, this 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 fear is real because the 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 kind of hate that we receive the the homophobia which is existing around us we know like anything can happen and there has been like uh, you know a lot of death threats as well a lot of like hate campaigns online offline and uh, there is this fear like anything can happen anytime and you know anyone can can come and they can shoot you and 
and and uh, and everything is gone and uh, then you know there are other aspects as well like you know living in a conflict zone there is always this this anxiety which is eating uh, i guess all of us and even the safe spaces that we have been able to create and there there are like you know uh, curfews for almost you know 5 6 months at a stretch and my community is not able to you know uh, access those spaces we we have just limited spaces and uh in 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 such scenarios it's very difficult uh, you know when there is a you know communication bl- blackout you are not able to reach out to the other people you are not able to talk to the the people whom you love and uh, and and it happens for months and months and that is the fair like uh, you you can be be trapped in these violent you know uh, violent uh, these clashes and anything can happen anything anyone can come and they can just they can incarcerate you they can torture you they can subject you to enforced discipline safe spaces are places or environments created for marginalized individuals where they can feel confident that they will not experience discrimination harassment or any emotional or physical harm Safe spaces are crucial for people to whom the world generally is unsafe. Queer people can be harmed everywhere, at home, in public places, and within institutions. So it is essential to create bubbles of safety with other queer people, where they are free to express themselves without fear. These can be homes of queer people or LGBTQIA organizations that provide services to the community. it can be cafes or clubs run by queer people or events organized by them as ajaz explained living in a conflict zone creates many obstacles in accessing safe spaces for the queer community before we delve into the complexities of being kashmiri muslim and queer let's take a step back and look at how it all began How did Ajaz make the decision to become the most vocal queer rights campaigner from Kashmir? Siliko this the whole journey actually didn't start in the vacuum it has a background and uh, you know despite the fact like i was also like uh, throughout my life i was struggling with so many things my own you know i was not able to reconcile between my religion and sexuality that was one aspect and then uh, you know uh, a triggering the you know uh, incident happened at, at my home uh somewhere around 2008 or 2009 when a trans woman she visited our home to fix uh, the marriage of my eldest sister my, but my mother was like she was very reluctant in uh, receiving her and somehow i intervened and like i she let her come in once she left my mother washed that cup twice that was actually the turning point of my life when i realized like where this community is positioned then i decided like something needs to be done and uh, then i joined uh, the masters program uh, in social work and i received the orientation like what what needs to be done matchmaking is one of the means of livelihood for transgender people in kashmir as is performing at weddings 
And so during a time when Ijaz was grappling with his own queerness, he saw the extent of his mother's queer phobia as a trans woman entered their house. This incident shook him and he decided to fight for the queer community. But he didn't start speaking out immediately. First, he devised a plan. He got a master's degree and a PhD in social work to know exactly how to do this work. Then he began advocating for the rights of trans women. In South Asia, in general, transgender women have been the most visible members of the queer community for centuries, organizing their own community structures, creating their own spaces and means of livelihood. The trans community has been there and they have been able to like claim some of the heteronormative spaces. They have been like, uh, you know, uh, throughout age, been able to secure a position in the society. If I would just bring in the issues of the LGB and I, I won't get, you know, acceptance. And uh, that is the reason like I started with uh, the, the trans issues and then eventually this movement which became more inclusive and then I started openly talking about the you know other people in the spectrum. So the the prime motivation was to basically you know uh, give a voice to the community and uh, to tell people that yes we exist and you know we we have been there throughout the ages and our erasure is not possible. Initially, like I was very secured. I'm secured right now as well, believe me. But I know like someone has to, someone has to initiate this. Uh, someone has to start actually talking about all these things. We, we cannot actually have, uh, you know, expect this change. It will just choose to not to talk about these things. This is a conscious choice. This is a conscious choice. No one forced me to, you know, advocate for this community no one to no one forced me to talk about these things this is what i felt like is the need of the over and i felt like enough is enough something needs to be done Ejaz says that the joy of being queer lies in making cisgender heterosexual people feel uncomfortable or rather, it is about openly being queer and having a good time without caring about other people's discomfort. Here, the term cisgender indicates people who identify with the gender they were assigned at birth, unlike transgender people. Ejaz recalls the first meeting for Sonsal Welfare Trust years ago when he patiently waited for people to show up at Lal Chowk a city square in Srinagar, unsure if anyone would come at all. He says it turned out to be one of the most memorable queer gatherings of his life. The first meeting that we held, I guess, way back in 2000, uh, you know, uh, 2016 or 17, uh, it was very informal and so it was somewhere around Lal Chok and uh, people could like sense that, uh, you know, <laughs> the people who are who have actually occupied this space are unusual people and uh, that was fun like we were you know we were shouting we were playing and rest of the people were getting so uncomfortable and uh, we have been like uh, witness to so so many pain so so much of the pain throughout our life and uh, then these moments of belongingness 
these moments of you know uh playing together sharing our stories having fun having picnics and then doing a bit of theater and other stuff that is really like uh, significant in our lives just says in the lives of queer kashmiris joy is punctuated with experiences of pain spaces for gathering and surrounding oneself with community are not always accessible remember this is a conflict zone where curfew can stretch on for months in the rest of india if queer people cannot find safe spaces around them they go online to find community and create virtual safe spaces queers in kashmir do this too but again communication blackouts are a part of the reality for any queer person you know who is living in a place like kashmir i believe like the most safest place is internet because you are able to connect to the people you are able to connect to the larger uh, you know lgbt community and uh, once these internet uh, you know uh, these blackouts happen people are not able to uh, you know vent out their feelings or frustrations and that is uh, really difficult in in those uh, you know circumstances and uh, even if like we have been able to create these physical spaces due to constant uh, curfews and these curfews sometimes stretch for 6 months it's not easy for us to you know to come to these spaces or to access those services which are available at these spaces at least like uh, you know even if we talk in sense of like community belongingness the people are not able to access these spaces and that is really challenging and uh, uh, it is there and it has been there and there is no alternative for this but yeah like we have you know my community has been very really resilient and even if there are curfews people uh, manage to meet you know meet each other they would come out sometimes in the evening or too early in the morning and would meet other community members to see that whether they are alive or dead after the abrogation of article 370 in august 2019 the indian government had instituted a communication blackout to contain possible tension in the region At the time perhaps the most striking news were the precautionary arrests of former chief ministers Farooq Abdullah and Mehbooba Mufti along with many other local politicians On the other hand Ajaz describes how these events impacted the daily lives of queer people After the abrogation of article 317 it has been very difficult for the people because there has been you know no communication at all even these landlines were you know uh, were cut off and there was no means of communication and uh, for the people who you know it was it was so difficult because no one was knowing that what has happened to the another person and when those landlines were restored after 6 months even the hello from your beloved was having that cathartic impact like it's very difficult to live as a queer in a place like kashmir and uh, i don't know like if i 
have that audacity of you know uh putting you know those uh you know those emotions into the words i i, I don't think like i will be able to do justice to those sufferings or to those emotions uh, i really don't think so. the reason that communication blackouts make life difficult for queer people especially is because they have no way of knowing whether everyone they know is safe safety is a big concern not only because of the violent clashes in the area but because queer people's lives are always at risk as a publicly known queer person aja says that it is very common for him to receive death threats online but sometimes this hate from behind the screen enters his real life he says that just recently a group of teens recognized him in the city center and began shouting slurs at him very recently what happened like i was just walking through the the city center and uh, you know after a heavy snowfall and there were like very less people on the roads and someone identified me and it was uh, you know a small group of you know five six adolescents and someone recognized me and they started like hurling homophobic homophobic abuses and i literally froze i i didn't know like how to respond because i you know there was a potential threat of getting assaulted somehow i just managed to just elope from this uh, from from that place but it had a very like uh, though though they did nothing but uh, it had a very like intense impact on my psychology and i was like disturbed for almost a week so such things happen and it has happened many times but even in those within their homes queer people are not safe ejaz recounts the story of a girl who came out to her parents content warning the following 1 minute contains graphic descriptions of abuse so you can skip ahead if needed i would like to share you this uh, you know with you this specific case uh, there was a girl who came out of, out of the closet and dis- uh, disclosed her sexuality with her parents and what they did they just they took her to a faith healer faith healer what he did he he actually embossed those you know hot spoons all over her body he burned the most of the body parts you know pulled her hair and violated her in the most intimate ways and then they you know took her to the psychiatrist the psychiatrist also like recommended that reparative th- therapy which has been banned throughout the world and you can understand like that is the kind of the response that you know the queer people are you know experiencing on the daily basis and then there have been certain cases where people have been accepted by their families but those cases are very few very few because i mean there has been never a positive discourse which has been ever initiated around gender and sexuality in our place so this girl in question was let down both spiritually and medically by the faith healer and then by the psychiatrist because of a queerness reparative therapy prescribed by her psychiatrist is also known as conversion therapy it is a practice which aims to change people's sexual orientation this so called therapy procedure is not supported by scientific evidence another queer woman miles of in kerala chinnu sulfikar was also subjected to conversion therapy after she came out to her family as bisexual in videos on facebook 
Chinnu describes harrowing experiences of the conversion therapy she went through. And following this episode, she left Kerala and travelled with her friends to Goa. The 21-year-old died by suicide while there in May last year. In June this year, Tamil Nadu became the first state to ban conversion therapy. A Madras High Court order prohibits, I quote, any attempts to medically cure or change the sexual orientation of LGBTQIA plus people to heterosexual or the gender identity of transgender people to cisgender. I asked Ajaz if he ever wishes to leave Kashmir behind and find pockets of safety elsewhere in India. He says that his identity as a Kashmiri Muslim queer person is a part of him wherever he goes and he will experience discrimination no matter where he goes in India. The freedom to be queer is a freedom only afforded to some. We also need to understand that where the where the Kashmiris are actually like positioned when we talk about the Indian context. So Kashmiris are always seen as terrorists, right? So they are seen with that, you know, eye of suspension. You know, it, it, it has been like systematically done the, the way like Kashmiris are like, uh, uh, you know, projected in mainstream India and there's a lot of like Islamophobia as well. That's also really like significant in order to understand like in this sexual exceptionalism where the security is only for the people who belong to the upper caste, upper Hindu caste. Us paradigm mein where we are positioned. We don't even exist in that paradigm. For Ajaz, the solution to pain and grief is not to run away from the queer community in Kashmir, but rather to dive in headfirst. Surrounding himself with others who have the same experiences is what leads to healing. I'm not immune to the, the negativity which is existing in, you know, all around me. It does, it does take, uh, you know, uh, a toll on my mental health. But, uh, you know, uh, at times I'm so exhausted and at times I'm so stressed. And uh, then once I come to these safe spaces, it is, you know, I believe it is the uh, the collective pain, the collective grief, which leads to the collective healing. So in this process, I'm not only like I'm not only helping people to overcome all these uh, issues. I'm also healing myself. So it has been my uh, coping strategy. It has been kind of coping strategy to do the activism, and it is where your fears doesn't actually belong to you. It belongs to a community. It belongs to a movement. That is in itself like a positive thing. It is actually my coping strategy. Another way in which Dr. Ajaz finds peace is by studying the history of the queer culture of Kashmir. For example, right now he's documenting the history of cruising. Cruising spots are public spaces where queer people go to find partners. This was primarily how people found each other before the advent of dating apps and it still continues in some parts. Across the world, cruising is done subtly so as to not attract the attention of cisgender heterosexual people in these spaces. These spots are known as cruising spots only to people within queer circles. 
I'm also like documented uh, documenting cruising in uh, the Kashmir right now, and uh, I would like to bring the attention of our listeners to the cruising which is happening. And there are so many spaces around and in the Srinagar where uh, gay and bisexual men cruise. They uh, generally these spaces are uh, you know occupied by the heterosexual people and. Uh, by dusk, these done to be the very active cruising spots for uh, for such uh, you know men, and it's not like uh, you know it, it has happened now. We have a rich history of cruising, more than hundred years old, and uh, we have been there. We have been trying to claim these spaces. Like in most parts of India, queer culture in Kashmir has existed across time through theatre and performance. If you just talk about the queerness which is existing in in various art forms of Kashmir, I mean, there has been people, gender variant people, or men dressing like women, cross dressing. If you just talk about the, you know, folk theater of Kashmir, Bandpatar, so there we see a lot of like gender variant identities, and uh, people has been like always okay with that. Or for that matter, even if we talk about the the transgender community, you know, being able to claim those few heteronormative spaces, for example, marriages where they cross dress and perform, there is some sort of like acceptance as well. It's not like that they are always like push it to the wall or kind of invisibilized. So when he experiences the erasure of queerness in wider society, or when people act like queerness is a new concept, these pieces of history affirm the fact that queer people have always been there, living their lives. It provides a roadmap for the future. The reading down of Section 377, which decriminalized queer sexual relations, has not affected Kashmir much, according to Ajaz. He says this is because no one was really arrested or punished under the law before, so removing it has not changed their lives much. It is the attitude of the people that needs to change, and a change he has seen. His mother, who had years ago refused to let in a trans woman, has now opened her home and her heart to queer people rejected by their families. Ajaz counts this as his biggest achievement. After all, change begins at home. Believe me, there has been the considerable change in the attitude of the people as well. Like for example, when my mother, she was so homophobic and she was so, you know, uh, LGBTQI phobic, and now she is providing refuge to the people. the people who are being disowned. So my mother and she is, you know, she she welcomes people from my community, and we 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 have so many cases because we don't have shelter homes here. So, I mean, my family is like ready to adopt them. My mother is trying to be 
uh, you know, their mother. And this is the achievement that I have made. I won't say that I was able to change anything, but this is the achievement. And this is what I believe is what I have actually done. Please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.